and welcome to How to Deal When the Shit Gets Real podcast. I'm Rietta. And I'm Connie. And today we're here with Veronica. So Veronica, tell us how do you deal when the shit gets real? Or just tell us a little bit about yourself. I am a mom of four children and I also wear many hats and have several different career paths. And interestingly enough, I have four associate's degrees, but no bachelor's. Oh, all right. They, those go. can't be combined to get a bachelor's. Come on. No, I've <laughs> tried. They cannot. That's some so. crap. Because you could almost have like you you could have a master's or almost a PhD yeah. at this point. No. <laughs> Wouldn't that be so nice? So everyone's always like when I put in job applications because I also do IT. So everyone's like, oh, do you have a bachelor's or a master's? And I'm like, kind of, <laughs> kind of, sorta. In a way, if you add all this together, (laughs) I have eight years of schooling. (laughs) So, oh my God, you really do have a master's if it's eight years of schooling. Right, exactly. So, what are the four associate's degrees? We have to know now. One is in liberal arts, one is in business, one is in it's an art degree, but it's separate. It's like art of science, which is not the same as liberal. I have been told. Yeah. And then they're different. That was three. What was the fourth one? Or did I miss it? Wait, did I say cybersecurity twice? <laughs> oh, oh, no, no you I just said it. it really quick. I just heard cyber. I was like, huh, what? <laughs> okay, got it. Cybersecurity. <laughs> cool. All right. So you can tap into the Pentagon for us. We got it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never tell. I'll never tell. Good. <laughs> we don't need FBI coming to our houses. <laughs> Mr. FBI agent, stay in your van. Thank you. So even with all those associate's degrees, how did you become, well, aside from the fact that you deal with it yourself, how did you become so passionate about mental health? So as I mentioned, I have four children, right? My oldest is 15 and my youngest is four. And when I was really starting to notice issues with my 15-year-old when he was about three years old, everyone just kind of told me it wasn't a big deal, that I was overreacting, that I was a terrible parent. All of these things happen. And then we ended up just not giving up and going to doctor after doctor to just say, this is not real. Like, this is not how a normal child acts. Yeah. And then they said, okay, well, we're going to humor you and do some neurodevelopmental assessments. And sure enough, it came back that him and his brother struggled immensely with mental health, um, and which kind of led down to a road of discovery with my husband, um, with myself, and even with the two children that we have together. Um, these two children are from a previous marriage. And it's been very eye-opening to kind of understand how everyone ticks and then similarly understand how they tick in the real world and how other people tick with them. Um, And so what I find, particularly with children with ADHD diagnoses and with bipolar diagnoses, that that's not talked about. If you have autism, everyone will talk about you all day long. If you have ADHD, you're considered a back burner subject. But what people don't realize is that ADHD and autism share very, very similar traits with one another. Yes. It's really frustrating that that does not get the help and the education and the advocacy that autism gets when they, again, they struggle very, very similarly. And when I started to notice that there was a huge disconnect there, I started to do more research myself. I became very involved in my local communities. I became very involved with school projects that were happening with workshops that happened in the area. And I mean, and now I go and I teach seminars at elementary schools and middle schools to try to help parents who also struggle with children like mine 
um, to try to move forward because it's really frustrating when you're a parent that has children like that because everybody just assumes it's your fault, right? So everyone says your children act in the environment that they came from or in the environment that they're raised from. And for a very long time, I used to beat myself up about that until I've just lived it long enough to know that's not the case, right? And if more people were talking about that, that aspect of that mental health, that would be huge. That would be groundbreaking. And parents don't talk about it because they are Mm -hmm. so humiliated and embarrassed by the behavior of their children. We have kind of been pushed into this back corner of, we just don't talk about it, right? You are a terrible parent. Your kids suck. I don't want to go anywhere in public with you. This is how it is. And I said, that can't just be how it is though, because I am a good parent, right? I do. I want all the things right. At the end of the day, I can't control the decisions that my children make, even if I've given them all of the resources available. So kind of just a a whole compartmentalization, compart- yes, that uh, it kind of have everything together really made me say, if this is my life, then I need to know about it because nobody mm-hmm. was telling me. That makes sense. I mean, you're the going to be the one that fights the best for your children until they are of age and can do it themselves. So, I mean, it makes sense that you would be their their biggest advocate. And I bet you that, like, there's a bunch of parents out there that just – that have kids with these behavioral issues, and then they do really blame themselves instead of saying, wait a minute. No, no, no. I'm not doing anything wrong. This isn't my fault because society puts all the blame on the mom no matter what. Whether they're a great behaved child, then you get praise for having a great behaved child. And if they're just having a bad day because they're a child and they can just do what they want and do child children things, it's still your fault. So they're probably like, yeah, no matter what it is, it's my fault. Yeah. Um, and I, I think what a lot of times people don't understand is like their brains are literally wired backwards, right? Mm-hmm. This is not a behavioral issue for the sake of a behavioral issue. This is a neurological condition that these children have and that they suffer from. And no one says that. No one says that they suffer from these things, but they do. Because I can tell you right now, my children wish that they didn't have anything like that. And it's to the point of where my two older boys don't even want to have children because it's hereditary. I think that's the other part that people miss there too, right? So there's always this joke about, oh, well, I'm just being ADD or I'm just, I just have you know, I, I'm clearly, I've just gotten ADHD now. That doesn't just happen, right? Like that's yeah. not thing, that's not how that works. It's a very scientific way that it affects your brain and it can only be hereditary. And similarly, the same thing is true with bipolar, right? So a lot of times you'll hear people, people say, I have anxiety and depression and now it's switched over to bipolar. In very, very, very rare cases, is that true? Like it's very, like incredibly rare, but bipolar is also a hereditary trait that you get and nobody talks about that either. And there's even a huge debate going on right now for psychiatrists and psychologists for children under 18 that have been diagnosed for bipolar and half of the community says you can't do that until they're 18. And then the other half of the community says, if you have one plus one equals two, and this child is exhibiting those behaviors, clearly that's what this is. Um, Right. Why would an age even matter? That doesn't even, I don't even know why you would, I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like you said, if, if, if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Yeah. 
I know we've had our own internal. I mean, I even know. So my children have been uh, in total to over 40 like mental health hospitalizations. So my who is 15 has been to, I think like 23 short-term stays since the age of 10 and four residential stays where he was gone from my house for six to nine months. So he's done that four times since the age of 10. Wow. Wow. That had to be hard. Yeah. And my 14 year old um, has been to 27 short-term stays and two residential facilities for six to nine months each. So Um, when that, that all happened, what, how did you know, like, okay, it's time you need to go to a hospital. So I kind of, you know, I know everybody believes in higher powers and lots of things, and I don't necessarily know what I believe one way or the other. However, I do think that people are put into your life at certain times for reasons and seasons. And so at that time, uh, we had been living in Pennsylvania. We were renting a house and the landlady that I had had a child who suffered from things very similarly. And so she had said about her son, yeah, we've actually had to put him in a short term mental health hospital twice. And I remember being horrified, like, mm-hmm. oh my God, like that's so intense and that's so insane. And I mean, insane, sorry, play on words, ignore that. But <laughs> ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, like I, I just couldn't believe that. And so she had really encouraged me, you know, it's not a bad thing. It's a helpful thing. Um, and sometimes you also need to let your peers regulate you, right? And so in the instance of her son, she had said that he went and he had a tendency to kind of run his mouth and get himself into situations. And when he was there, he got punched in the face a few times. <laughs> now, am I saying that's a good thing? No. Am I saying it's a bad thing? No. I'm just saying that that's <laughs> the result of the consequences of your actions. And so when my daughter was born, I had, you know, they all came up to the hospital to come visit me. And my son had been throwing another one of his temper tantrums. Now I thought again, right? Remember, I'm a terrible parent. I don't know what's going on. Uh, Clearly this is all my fault. And from the age of like four, he would have 12 to 14 hour temper tantrums. And let me be clear. Let me be clear on what that means. That's 14 hours of not eating, of not going to the restroom, of not drinking anything, of full, I am in this spot and I am screaming and crying the entire time, like someone is sawing my leg off for hey. 14 hours. Yikes. Wow. Multiple times. And so as my husband was trying to bring everybody in, my, my son was having another, we call them episodes. My son was having mm-hmm. an episode. And my husband came in and he said, I know that you just gave birth to another human in the world. And this is literally the last conversation you want to have, but we have to send him somewhere. This is not normal, right? Gotcha. This is we can't, we can't keep doing that. And the first time that that happened, you know, cause, and I was even in denial with my husband, right? Mm-hmm, You're being yeah. ridiculous. He's not leaving. Like he's just nine years old and he's just being nine years old. He's tired. He's cranky. He just had a new sibling in the world. And I could not have been further from the truth. So when the time did come to take him to the hospital, he was very suicidal. And a lot of people also don't talk about how children are very suicidal. So um, right before yeah, they are, they are at, even at a very young age, they are. I and see so- my toddler. He tries to throw himself off the couch. <laughs> 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 but they, you know, and they, people don't, they have big emotions. 
emotions, right? They, and those yeah, they do real to them. And, and they struggle to regulate them. That's right. one of the biggest things. They're still trying to figure out how to regulate them. Even I don't want to see we don't want to use normal. Even a, a typical kid has trouble yeah. regulating emotions, let alone one that's suffering mm-hmm. with a mental health issue. Yeah. So we, you know, said, okay, this must be a, you know, cause he had therapists, right. They've had therapists since five, six years old. So he had a therapist and the therapist had said, okay, well, if he's exhibiting these behaviors, you know, just take him into the emergency room, take him into the emergency room. Yeah. What? Just, if he's exhibiting them, you, you take him into the emergency room. And I said, okay. So we had an episode where we had caught him trying to um, kill himself with mouthwash in the bathroom because he'd read on the back that there was alcohol in it and that if you consumed too much, that that was considered poisoning and you should call a poison hotline. Oh my goodness. That meant if I drink enough of this, I will die. Um, And so we caught him in the middle of it. And my husband had to pick him up and physically restrain him and put him in the car. And on the way to the hospital, he tried to jump out of a moving vehicle three times. Oh my gosh. Um, Wow. That had to be absolutely terrifying. Yes. And then we get to the emergency room, right? And so my husband has basically got him, you know, restrained to a moving standpoint, but still restrained. And he was so violent and out of control. Um, It took eight hospital staff to place him in a bed and they actually had to use the straps that are on the bed. You know, the ones that you see Mm -hmm. in horror movies. There was a parent. Horrifying. That that was, yeah, that was, um, I'm sure I'd be bawling. I was, I, my husband was too. Right. So they don't talk about how, you know, there's that stigma with men too, that men don't cry. No, my husband and I were in absolute tears. It was a complete show. That's your baby. Um, it was, yeah. And so what they, what happens is when you do that, then if, if you meet criteria, you have a 72 hour mental health hold and they take you to a facility. So some people say you can do that at nine and 10. Yeah. They start at six. Mm-hmm. That was very eye opening for me as a parent. Right? There was a, a kid's unit is what they called it. And so that was from ages six to 11. And so when they get there, they are assigned a roommate and they have a shower kind of bathroom in their room. Um, and then there are two beds and then they have a series of routines that they go through and they don't usually release the kids within 72 hours because when you're there, you see like a psychiatrist and then they talk about med management if you're interested or if you need to change any. And then you have group therapies twice a day and then you have individual therapy once a day that you have to do so they can really kind of gauge where you're at. So the kids don't usually get out until a week, week and a half later. That was also very eye-opening to me because then we had to bring him clothes, but you can't bring him regular clothes. And they took his shoes, right? Because you're not allowed to have shoelaces. And so yeah. you weren't allowed to have pants that had an elastic band. Unfortunately, I have stick-thin children uh, who could not yep. live without those. But they they wouldn't even, like, it was just, it was very difficult. And we were supposed you to have bring to get him, like, sweatpants or something. Something that had, like... No, they said no <laughs> elastic. Do you know how, well, not the string. You could do elastic. Oh. Do you know how hard it is these days to find sweatpants like that? I bet. Yeah, I didn't even. Mm -hmm. It's so hard. Even Uh, my son's like little itty bitty nine month old sweatpants have the string, which is so weird. I mean, they exist. What is is he doing with it? (laughs) I just need a little pair of elastic. Come on, man. They're out there in the world wander somewhere. Wander. Yeah. Word. 
So yeah, you know, they're there, but they are not easy to find. And so that was the first time that we took him. And then we had to take him back five weeks later. And then we had to take him back two weeks later. And then I had to take him back for Christmas. So I would just really like people to imagine your 10 year old son who just turned 10 in November, your 10 year old son has to spend Christmas with a bunch of strangers who are being violent and over the top because they genuinely cannot help it. Right. That's why they're there. They're there to get help and they're not allowed to have any of their gifts and your family is not allowed to visit them. Only one adult is allowed to visit them. And that has happened to me for four years in a row. Oh my goodness. This year year is the first year I had all four of my children together for any holiday. Did you jump up and down like a crazy person and spin in circles? I was in uncontrollable (laughs) tears like the whole day. See, now I'm now I'm using crazy person when we're already just just ignore that part, guys. She jumped up and down like a very happy person. (laughs) I know it's so it's so hard to remember to, you know, to change our terms as we get older and we learn more and we do better. But yeah, dang it. We try Um, all of their birthdays have been when they've been in facilities they've missed halloween can you imagine missing halloween between the ages oh, my of kid would have a meltdown yeah oh yeah my kid would be super upset they get to go around the unit right so like they're typically at a, at a hospital there's adult units and children's units not always but um at the short-term ones there are and sometimes the residential facilities are also hosted at the short term so sometimes they they just fit lots of criteria um and like that was it but you weren't allowed to let them wear a costume yeah and, and what the hell like is that. the point of of Halloween without a costume? <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah, so no pumpkin carving. And we've also missed several family vacations. Do you know how guilty as a parent you feel to go to Disney for the first and your time? One, and your child is in a, a facility? That's awful. Not one, but two. Oh, man, Aye. that stinks. Poor kid. Right? And then you try to enjoy yourself as a parent. But you feel um, guilty. But you feel guilty and yeah. it's an emotional. We're back at it. It's just, and, and it's really frustrating, you know, and even with my in-laws who I love, they are really phenomenal. They just didn't get it. So they would plan these family vacations and we would show up. And it wasn't until I think last summer when we were all together. And again, both of my children were in facilities. And so they missed another family reunion. My six-year-old who was four at the time just burst into tears and ran into the other room. And so my, my mother-in-law went in there to go comfort him. And she said, you know, honey, what's wrong? And he said, why does everyone else get to have their brothers and sisters here, but I can't have mine? Oh, sweet poor sweetie. And he was devastated, right? Um, my daughter has said the same, very similar, same things, right? They don't know. They know that what's these going on. Are, yeah. And that their siblings are missing, but they don't know. Now my six-year-old has unfortunately dealt with this enough that he can say things like, oh, so-and-so is at the doctor because they were too angry or they were too sad and the doctors are keeping them safe. And when they're safe, they can come home again. Yes. That's a sweet way to say it. That is uh, very sweet. Because we had to, you know, I don't want to say like you're, you have to be careful because that's still their sibling. Of right? course. And, and, they and they're them. little. They don't, you, you, they're not going to be able to comprehend they're in a mental institution. Yeah. Like that's going to be too big and scary. Yeah. I would assume. It, yes. And so I, I know when I said to my in laws, because they would be preparing and 
you know, they'd be like, you don't seem very excited about this vacation. I'm not. Well, why not? Because the rest of you get to have all of your children in attendance, making memories with their grandparents who, you know, my in-laws are now 70 and 72 and my father-in-law had a surgery last year and they nicked a nerve. And so now he really is, I don't want to say worthless, but he really is. He can't even walk long distances. He can't stand for long periods of time. This is the man who would visit. I live in Colorado. So this is the man who would visit and we would go on like a a three mile hike every other day. That's a bummer. So they would be like, oh, well, you know, we love the older boys. And I'm like, really? Because when's the last time you sent them a care package? When's the last you're on the approved call list? When's the last Mm -hmm. time you called to ask them how they're doing? So that actually sparks a great question, which I hope this doesn't ruin your train of thought. What can you send in a care package to a a mental health facility? What's allowed? Oh, my God. Nothing. I was like, I know where this is going. Probably nothing. It's well, a hospital. Like, nothing. I think I think that would be great. Like I I personally would love to send a care package, but yeah, that was my first thought too. Like, can you sit can you even send candy? Like, I don't even know. So you depending on the type of facility. So what people don't understand is that there are levels, right? So level four is basically juvie without juvie. It's juvie with okay. your health insurance paying for it. Interesting. Right? Okay. <laughs> Oh it is. God, it's crazy. It really, really that, is. Um, and then crazy. level level one is what they call a soft facility, right? And so that's usually um, somebody who's just dealt with a lot of trauma. Um, okay. Now that trauma is not like incredibly intense. It is intense to them. In the grand scheme of things, it's probably not. And I just, I really even hate to say that because you can't compare your trauma to someone else's, but just humor of me. Of course. Okay. Yes. So like theirs isn't that bad. By comparison, I mean, and honestly, there's a, obviously there's a level system. So like people have to compare that. So if you're at a level four, basically nothing. Okay. Um, it's so don't really- bother. <laughs> so you can, and if you send them food, so lots of different facilities have different rules. Like sometimes they have like a little locker or like they have a basket that they keep. So if you send them their favorite food, um, they can have it at approved snack time in small quantities if they have earned that privilege. They don't just okay. get it automatically. Okay. Like, they have to earn it. Oh. You can send notebooks, but they can't have, like, they have to be the composition-like notebooks. Oh, no um, spiral. No gotcha. spiral. You can send color pencils, but you can't send alcohol or markers because a lot of them have alcohol, alcohol. in them. You can send bars fuzzy of Fuzzy socks? You can send fuzzy socks, um, but they're only allowed to have seven days worth of clothing. Oh, okay. Oh. All right. This is so all very even, enlightening. <laughs> yeah. So even if they're there for six to nine months, they are only allowed to have seven changes of clothing. Interesting. Because they have to do their own laundry, which is also nice. Like mm-hmm. even at 10, right? Nine and 10, my kids had to do their own laundry. That was part of their chores at the facility. So And so then have- when they came home, would they do their laundry then too? Or would you just oh, take care absolutely. of it? Oh, absolutely. You're like, yeah, take this off of my plate for sure. (laughs) Don't even tell me you don't know how to do it because I know that you know how to do it. So (laughs) yeah. What else can you send? You can send slippers, right? So thankfully, a couple of years ago, they started making the the tennis shoes without the laces. Yes. Um, But like, that's a new revelation. But before, do you know how hard it is for a kid to run around and they have zip ties as shoelaces? That's annoying. That's also kind of ghetto. But I guess, yes. yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah. that's what they give them. And if their pants don't fit, they use a zip tie because they can't have a belt. Crazy. To make them stay in place. And so 
that, you know, especially when you have kids, you always have to check what are the status of your clothes. And if you send them a sweatshirt, it can't have a hood. Because it would have a string and then the hood also would not be good. Right. So like you can't have it. I couldn't even send, right. That's why you have to do the bars of soap, uh, certain body washes and shampoos because they have alcohol in them. So does hair gel. So does certain types of whitening toothpaste. Right. And so. Wow. And we already know that mouthwash is out because of your original right. story. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's the dark humor. Uh, yeah, that's that's uh, we actually don't even carry mouthwash in my house anymore at all. I don't blame you. I probably wouldn't either. But like, um, I, I don't care what the American Dentistry Association says. We're done with that. But yeah, like it you could like, yeah, color pencils. Oh, they get really big into Pokemon cards. Oh, oh that's so that. awesome. So, and Dungeons and Dragons. So at this last facility, one of the staff members, if the kids behave, this last facility was actually really phenomenal. They're not all phenomenal, but this one, I will sing its praises forever and ever. One of the staff would go out on his personal day off and would use his personal money to buy small packets of the D&D cards and then would even get like the fancy dice. Nice. That is a separate reward system from the facility. So if they behaved on his shifts, then... Ooh, then he'll then they'll um, play Dungeons and Dragons. Nice. Yeah, um, because they they have like certain tasks that they have to have signed off on all the time, and I'm talking literally everything. Did you shower today? Sign. Did you brush your teeth? Sign. Did you wash your face? Sign. Did you take your meds? Sign. Did you make your bed? Sign. I'm talking literally everything that you could possibly imagine. They have to get like a point sheet. And then what the facilities do is a reward system. So they have to earn so many points each day to be able to have privileges that night. Right. Uh, so, do, okay. so do you so, do that kind of thing when they come home too, to like help keep, you know what I mean? Like the schedule, I guess. I don't know. So we don't do necessarily a point system, but we do have a very, very rigorous schedule that is set up very similarly to the facilities. Yeah. To kind of um, help keep, you know, because I know that they're the kids' minds, like they thrive on like a schedule yeah. structure. Um, and structure. they have to know coming. So, like, I make um, a weekly schedule on Sunday of the week. Um, and so that schedule on every single day has what we're having for dinner. It has what appointments have to be done, what errands need to be run, or like things people need to remember, what people's laundry day is, because I have so many, I have six people in my house, so everyone gets a laundry day, when your laundry day is, and then the way that we do chores is we call them everyone chores. Um, What Mm -hmm. I found with my children is if you single them out um, and say, you didn't load the dishwasher correctly, and then they'd be like, okay, well, clearly I suck at this, and then they would like throw something. Or even if it's not even like intentional, right? Like they would just get frustrated and then things break. And then they're frustrated because things break because now they're in trouble. And this is a whole cycle. It just cycles. Yeah. You attacked me personally, right? So we don't do that anymore. We do everyone chores. So, um, and I try to come up with fun names for them. So Sunday is sucky Sunday. And that means we have to clean the living rooms. (laughs) (laughs) everyone collaboratively myself my husband everyone stops and from 6 to 6 15 we set a timer right because we have no well 6 30 to 6 45 because we have dinner at 6 so from 6 30 6 45 we set a timer and it's like the grocery shopping cart spree challenge right? I, got, I, love I love it as much as possible because they know as soon as they're done cleaning they get unlimited electronic time until it's time for bed and nice. There are going to be some parents 
who are listening that says, you can't do that. Listen, homie, I do what works best in my house. And I've had sent my kids to enough facilities to know what is successful and what is not. You got to find your kid's currency. That's absolutely. my kids. Yeah, like, absolutely. That's, that's what they want to do. I have so. to say, I saw a preview the other day for a new TV show that was called like something about parenting. And they were like comparing all these parenting styles. And I'm like, why is this even a TV show? However, somebody decides to parent is how they decide to parent. And there's mm-hmm. not like one way that works well. So why the F? Actually, this is my podcast. Why the fuck is that a TV show? <laughs> People can do whatever they want. Why are we comparing and then picking out which one is the best? Like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, my my favorite. And is every child is different. Yes. They are. And people come to my house like somebody was over at my house and my six-year-old was having a really hard time listening that night, right? My six-year-old also has a lot of these same conditions because as we've discussed earlier, they are hereditary. And he was having a really hard time going upstairs and brushing his teeth when he was supposed to. And so I had a friend over and she was trying to be helpful. She was really unhelpful. Um, you know, you like, you yeah. have to listen to your mom. I appreciate the backup. Okay. But like, we got to handle these situations in a very specific way. And so she was like, no. So she, you know, I went to the other room and she picked him up and taken him upstairs and was like, I'm standing here until you brush your teeth. Oh God. My kid, these kids with ADHD thrive, thrive on fucking power struggles. Please give them mm-hmm. one. So you can see no yeah, matter really. who you are, that you will lose. Um, oh, how no. even kid, even kids that don't have it. You will fucking lose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good luck. Okay with that. I've never no. seen that work before. No. And so it. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. And so she was like, no, this is a tough love. And I was like, my kids don't do tough love. Well, then maybe that's why they, I love you because we are friends. But get out. But I need you to leave <laughs> right now because we are friends. Right. And we will talk about this later. But I really, I just, I need you to go. Or, you know, everyone disciplines their children totally different, right? So we do not do physical punishments in my household. There's a lot of trauma from parents and from children about them having to be physically restrained. Um, I never did them anyway because I have a very abusive childhood past. And so that was never something I was interested in. The amount of times I've heard people tell me that if I hit my children, do this, that, or the other. And I'm like, oh, so I can teach them how to fight? Because... No, thanks. That's, I won't even, they're not allowed to do karate. They're not allowed to take boxing because just like children with autism, they get this superhuman strength. As I told you, my nine-year-old required eight fully fledged adults to hold him down. Eight. Plus there are studies that are, that say that when you hit a child, you will never never can be soft again like you constantly have to keep hitting harder and harder and harder to make it quote-unquote effective so what right. the hell is the point if all you soon you're gonna be beating them bloody because all you have to do is keep on going harder and harder and harder and it's yeah. not effective come on well and you know like I said there are lots of people who you parent your kid however you want to parent your kid but like I do I do my so like or for instance my middle schooler he's in eighth grade right he was failing a class you don't need to be a straight-a student You could even skate by with C's, but you will be passing, right? Because you have educational IEPs in place to make you incredibly successful. You have no excuses. Right. Yes. You have to be passing. And he was not. And our rule of thumb is, okay, well, then you lose some electronic time. Now, some parents would say, well, you just take all their electronics away. Then they're done that, homie. That shit does not work. Nope. Or you can do this. So my kid was still allowed to have a cell phone. 
He was still allowed to watch TV. He was even still allowed to play video games. But instead of him having this unlimited time quantity that we talked about after the everyone chores, he only got an yeah. hour. That's not that big of a deal during the week. That's a very big deal on the weekend. Right. And that also oh, means yeah. you can't go to anyone's house to hang out with them because you will likely play video games. So they can come over here and you guys yeah. can figure something out to do. But like you can't go to other people's house. You can go to public places. But you can't like Netflix and chill at a, at a friend's house because I don't trust no. you and I know you're going to lie to my face. And why put myself yeah. through that? Right. So, exactly. Yeah, um, but I had another acquaintance. I don't even want to say friend, but an acquaintance say, why would you do that? Why didn't you just take them away? Because that doesn't work. And you know what? It was in a very effective punishment for him because it took him a week and a half and performing all sorts of extra credit with his teacher to bump his grade up nine points where he's almost got to be. Yeah. You got to do what works best for you. but it, And you also don't want to make your life miserable. No. Fuck you no. dealt with a kid <laughs> with absolute zero screen time. That's You know what that means for me? No, no free time for me. Because he's going to make your life a living hell. And I know this. And I only have a nine-month-old. And I know oh, this. Like, I don't even have like a toddler but I'm like I, I know where this is going that means your life is hell you give them yep. a horrible punishment and they will rain it down on you for sure mm -hmm. yeah and like I said we've done the whole extreme punishment thing I've done that I've taken everything away excuse me I've you've been grounded where you can't do anything besides a physical corporal type of punishment every kind of punishment that you can imagine we have enacted for good better bad worse whatever and that shit doesn't work. So this is what works. And what I find, at least for our life to be most, and let me say, I know that it's not like cancer. However, I would just love to applaud my children, even though they're not here for being in remission, because normally <laughs> when they get out of a RTC, that's what the residential facilities are called. They usually go back to short term within two weeks. And my 14 year old has been home for six months. Woohoo! things and my 15 year old who just got out uh like the week of christmas uh crazy enough he has been home for three months and normally he would have went to a short term three weeks and after being home so like that's it's amazing incredible. progress i'm, so, I'm you sorry know why that cycle happens because they're not ready to go and insurance will not pay for them to stay oh uh, okay Right. So, I was just curious on like, I was like, how does this even work? Also, right. Just like anything in life, you only get it. You only get out of it what you put into it. Mm -hmm. And so if you're bullshitting your way through therapy sessions and whatever the case to may try be, to just, I want to just get out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, the therapists see that, right? Like you're not going to fool them. They see everybody. Right. So, but they can only justify to insurance for so long before insurance comes back and says no, because mental health hospitalizations are the least wanted to pay for item by insurances. Um, of course. It's $50,000 a month, $25,000 to $50,000 a month that my child is at these facilities. Wow. So yeah. are your medical bills like insane because of I all these days? Really great insurance, but we do hit our deductible very quickly. Quite easily. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although my, my ex-husband, who is the father of my older two children, uh, he had a separate insurance. And so um, at one point in time, we had to split the boys up because they were just way too intense for my husband and I, and I had a new baby at yeah. the same time, way too intense. And so we did. And 
when, when the other child moved to Delaware to go live with his father, he had a different insurance than what we do. And when my son was at the residential facility, they stopped paying two weeks in. What? Wow. That's not Mm -hmm. good. And that's, that's pretty common. So a lot of times though, uh, people Medicaid will pay for them and they're about the only ones, but yeah, we, we just have, we're very fortunate to have really phenomenal insurance. Otherwise we would be totally screwed. Well, that's one plus. So what advice can you give to parents that might just be finding out that one of their children is suffering with a mental health disorder just in general? That's actually a really great question because as we talked about, a lot of these things are hereditary, right? And so like I just discovered within the past three years that I also have bipolar and that's Mm -hmm. where my children get it from. My older two children's biological father had Tourette's syndrome and ADHD. Both of them have that. So they have that and this. (laughs) Oh Um, man. Yeah. And that's just a genetic lottery right there. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) So yeah, it's pretty, um, it's, it's pretty intense. And so I, I would really just kind of, if you see a lot of these behaviors happening with your child and you're like, I'm doing everything I can, right? Like I'm doing everything everyone's telling me. I want you to really take a look at your own personal family. I can guarantee you, I can absolutely guarantee you if you're a parent in this situation, that there's someone in your family that you can look at and say, you know what? They're just a little off. They're just yeah. a little, and you know who it is. I can say that to somebody and you know exactly who that is. You know, Honestly, aren't brother. we all just a little off? Because <laughs> I think of my family, I'm like, but you could consider all of them just a little bit off. No, but like, like different, right? Like different, right? So they're either over talkative or they're yeah. very hyper a lot of the time, or maybe they are really, really lazy all the time, right? Because mm-hmm. really this kind of can affect you in different ways. And so if you don't have a known diagnosis of somebody in your family, I would really urge you to try to like, take a look and see. The second thing that you can do is you can ask your pediatrician to perform a loose test. It's it's a very loose kind of litmus-based test um, where you fill out a questionnaire and then you take that to school and then the school fills out a questionnaire as well and then they kind of compile the results. However, if you want a true, pure diagnosis, you have to get a neurodevelopmental analysis and that is performed by a child psychologist. Those are your magic words, neurodevelopmental assessment or analysis performed by a children's psychologist. The testing is usually four, four hours long. Wow. Um, And they try to break it up into two different appointments for your kids. And so you take them in and the parents have questionnaires. Again, teachers will have questionnaires. Um, Your child is put through a series of tests um, to do and then once all the information has been compiled together, then the psychologist will explain to you the diagnoses that they have and the severity level of those diagnoses. And so this is why you should get this neurodevelopmental analysis or assessment because your PCP is not going to be able to tell you that, right? Right. These tests will tell you. So for instance, I know that my children are in the 98th percentile for ADHD as if their hospitalizations did not speak for themselves. Right. right. No kidding. Um, I know that specifically because we had that testing done at six, at eight, and again at 11, mm-hmm. just to make sure that their symptoms that it's never changed. Yeah. yeah. And then the psychologist will actually be able to say, based on your child, here's a set of recommendations that we say you should do at home and that you should do at school to try to help improve behaviors. And then 
depending on your level of severity, right? Because she'll tell you or he'll tell you, we had a female, uh, depending on the level of the severity they have, then they'll say, if these things do not work, then you will need to consider hospitalization. Wow. It kind of takes it out of your hands, right? So you kind of know, and I, I know when the psychologist sat me down to have our exit meeting of sorts, where she just explains what all the results are. She said, I feel really bad for you because both of your children are in this spectrum, right? And again, we can't say Mm -hmm. that. You say spectrum. And so people are like, oh, you mean like the autism spectrum? No, I mean the ADHD spectrum. Yeah, And no one talks about that either. Um, So it's, it's not just like, oh, I kind of have ADHD. There's a, there's a scale, my dude, of like where you fit in. That is the most helpful thing. But initially just discussing that with your PCP, your primary care physician, and having them perform basis, because you'll need them to refer if you want your insurance to pay for it. Um, It doesn't always, but if you do want them to try to pay for it, you have to have a referral from your PCP to get that testing done for your child. Makes sense. Also very helpful. Multiple times. You should also do it every couple of years just to make sure nothing has changed because they grow, right? Their brains develop, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe something in their frontal cortex decides to kick on a little bit more and maybe they don't need (laughs) it. And then those things are also immensely helpful for whenever they are in school. So when you have a child who does have these conditions, um, they are required to give you a 504 or an IEP plan if these behaviors are destructive. And you'll know, right? Like my 15-year-old was suspended from kindergarten twice. (laughs) Kindergarten. I mean, what a bamf from kindergarten. Yeah, really? I got the phone call and I was like, it's fucking finger painting you do fucking finger painting what do you mean he's suspended (laughs) yeah really what did he do uh what did he do the first time he got mad and threw a chair oh (laughs) that'll do it yeah the second time he was having one of these episodes that we've talked about so you understand that a little bit more and so teacher tried to restrain him and you know he clawed her real good because he did not Uh. want to do that a series of things happen because I mean, that did not stop in kindergarten. Right. I mean, I remember yeah. when he was in fourth grade, he trashed the entire school counselor's office. I'm talking, took her like pencil holder and smashed out the glass and all of the pictures, took wow. all the shelves, took all the papers and threw them in the hallway. Right. You'll know, you know, yeah. that that's not normal. Right. And right. no one can blame you for that. And you know, something that people used to tell me to do, read a self-help book. What? Yeah, um, there Ridiculous. was a really one that was trending at the time, and it was called The Explosive Child. That is a fucking waste of money. Do not do that. He, like, literally says the same thing over and over for 17 chapters. Oh, and gosh. It, yeah. If you actually, um, something I would highly, highly recommend is there is another podcast called Celebrating Calm. Hmm. That is phenomenal for parents who have ADHD children. And let me tell you why. So the guy who does it, he examined hundreds of children in his house doing lots of things, all of them having ADHD and some of these other um, emotional disorders like anxiety and depression and things like that. And then he was able to come up with an idea of if you're in this situation, try doing this. Hmm. So as you listen to his podcast, it is um, kind of Christian based. He occasionally mentions his love of faith, but it's not often. He's hilarious. And brings real world <laughs> situations, right? Have you guys seen uh, Josh Wolf, the comedian Josh Wolf? Yeah. At no. all? I've yeah? seen him okay. before. 
he's fucking hilarious and he talks about all of these really hilarious situations that he was with with his kids this guy does the same thing nice okay and then he even tells you like looking back in the situation i messed up right because i also don't don't get it twisted just because your children are having issues and making their own decisions does not mean that there are not things that you can improve within yourself And I want to make sure that that's really, really clear to parents who are listening. Stop blaming your child for everything happening because you are likely contributing yes. to that and you don't even understand how or why you're doing it. Right. So yeah. you really got to take that in. And so he does a really good job of pointing that out. If I would have reacted this way, this would have happened. But instead, I reacted this way. And then these things happened instead. Gotcha. So um, he's great um, because I, the biggest challenges that honestly parents have with children like this, nobody tells you what to do. Yeah. You go to a therapist office because you're supposed to, and you're talking to them and you're like, this is happening. What do I do? Good luck. Yeah. What do I do? I can't tell you the amount of times that I completely broke down sobbing. Just tell me what to fucking do. Just tell me what to do. I'll do it. I'll do whatever you say. Right. Cause I, don't know. And it took until my son was 10 and we ended up, cause we always had to get the supervisors of the therapist. Let me just state that not all therapists are made equal. And if, oh, your, yeah. child having, if your child is having this severe, um, they don't even need to be as severe as my children, but severe issues, you need to ask for the supervisor because they're going to say, Oh yeah, Susie's available. Great. How many years has Susie been a therapist with children in this nature? Oh, well, He's only done because what they do is they take their greenest people and put them in the most stressful situations first. So you oh, have Lord. To ask for the supervisor. Like that's how they enter their field. They put them in the most traumatic places with no experience. And the parents in that situation need the complete fucking opposite. Yes. I need yes. the trained person. Who um, decided so that I, was a good idea? Good I Lord. don't know. That's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. You have to ask for you have to ask for the supervisor, but it wasn't until we finally got the supervisor um, because I had to be a total Karen and I no fucks were given and I have no regrets. And I said, I'm not leaving here until you give me a real person mm-hmm. who has a very high level of experience because Susie that's only had two years is not going to cut it for my family. Right. Yeah. No right? offense to Susie. No offense offense to her. I'm sure people really love her. And so they're like, okay, because those people are specialty trained. Severely specialty trained. So ask for the supervisor. And if they say <laughs> no, don't leave. Like you're going to have to be a fucking Karen. You, yeah. you, you have to do that. Um, but he is the first one that told us what to do. What did, he, what, what did he say? It was so empowering as a parent. He said, okay, well, you know, if you notice that when he gets really mad, he throws his plate, like his food on the ground and breaks a plate. Then you switch to plastic plates. That sounds like a really fucking simple thing. Do you know that that thought never even crossed my mind? (laughs) I don't think it would have crossed my mind either. You're like, oh, well, this was just an accident. No, I don't have a single glass anything in my my cabinets, right? So that way, if you throw your food on the ground, oh, well. And also gets rid of the fact of getting glass in your feet. Because Lord knows nobody wants that either. Oh, my gosh. 
And I know, again, the, people the, like the cleanup is definitely worse with glass breaking. <laughs> that's for sure. Hear that are probably like, how did that not make sense to you if they broke a plate? Because it's fucking stressful and it didn't make sense. <laughs> I just <laughs> Um, But, you know, other things too, like if this behavior is persistent, like this is a a consequence that you should try out. And if that consequence doesn't work, here's another consequence that you can try. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I bet you that is hard trying to find consequences for their actions that actually work and not piss them off more. Yeah, it is. It is very right. So some things that I have is delayed reactions. As a parent, do you, that is so hard. To have a mm-hmm. delayed reaction, like that was something I had to change, right? So so if we role play here, right? If you were a snotty-nosed teenager and- Yes, you I were, am. Okay. So you were a snotty-nosed <laughs> teenager and you were like, blah, blah, blah. I hate you, blah, 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 right? And things escalate, right? As we just talked about this power struggle, okay? Yeah. And so it's escalating and escalating. And then as a parent in a heat of a moment, you're like, you know what? You're grounded. You lose all of your stuff. You don't get any of this. I'm so disappointed with you. And then they're like, oh, is this the time that we riot? This is the yes. time that we yeah. riot, right? And then also, I don't think parents always realize like you're speaking out of anger. So for me to hold my tongue. is hard. Say anything and not even, you can't even approach it later that night. No, 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 no. We have to wait until the very next day after school. Right. Because then you have to like plan it like, oh, do we have track? Mm, nope. We're not talking about it before track. I need you to go to track. <laughs> right. So <laughs> you got to kind of put a pin in it. And then when you do discuss it, you have to do it in a very non-accusatory way so that they're not defensive. That's real hard to do as a parent, too, because you're like, you're in the fucking wrong. I didn't yeah. do it. Like this. I am the it. right. I am the parent. Shut up. Yes. You know, like, like you can't just do that. Um, and you can't have that conversation with them, right? The conversation instead is, you know, we had this situation happen and we both lost our tempers, right? Mm. There was a point where I could have chose to walk away. There was a point where I could have chose to stop engaging, but I didn't. Now, is that all my kids' fault? No. And you can't ask your kid to take accountability for their actions if you're not willing to take accountability for your own. But that was something he told me, stop talking, <laughs> right? You see that this is escalating. Stop trying to assert control of the situation because you won't win ever. You will never win and you need to walk away. And I know that they say is the parents were supposed to be able to do that. It is so hard. Even oh, if you yeah. don't so have hard. ADHD kids or whatever, like it's fine. I only hard. have a nine month old and I know it's going to be hard. Ah, it's so hard. And so it is. Um, it's very hard. A requiring... Uh, I think another big thing that we do that the therapist have taught us is when you give an apology, it's a genuine apology. You don't apologize, not even sometimes that day. Oftentimes in our family, it's the next day. And you can't just say, I'm sorry. You have to say, I'm sorry that I could, like, I'm sorry for my actions. And these are the things that I did wrong. And uh-huh. if that made you feel a certain way, I am taking accountability. I actually make them use the phrase, I am taking accountability for my, for the way that I acted. And that is not how you treat people you love. And I hope that we did not damage the trust in our relationship. Wow. That's not, that's a good thing to teach them. I, but even with my four-year-old, I'm sorry. My immediate response was, I'm sorry for what? <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. 
That um, sounds like my aunts. <laughs> I, I, uh, you're thankful. Thankful for what? Mm-hmm. Whenever we got gifts, it was what? What exactly are you thankful for? <laughs> yeah, it's the same because people like you can't expect a four year old. No, no, I do. Sorry for what? I'm sorry that I did not listen and that I threw things and that I kicked the couch. Okay. I mean, pretty much, I like pretty much all adults should probably learn this more. I'm I thinking know, of right? a couple oh, in my absolutely. head. Absolutely. Absolutely. could uh, go for some of a, I'm sorry, <laughs> better I'm sorry. For, for what? And so we all kind of, but again, like we've just done this for so many years and relearning how to parent and relearning how to parent what's best for you is not easy at all. Especially because, right, since we found out all of these diagnoses and then I found out I have bipolar, that's been fun because I'm like, oh, we're doing the same thing at the same time. Actually, that brings us to another question. So how, what has it been like trying to understand your bipolar and then add in the kids? Like, how do you find any balance? How do you find balance with that? How do you work through it? Jeez, that's Um, a lot. I take medication just like my children do. That's been helpful. Um, I do what is called DBT therapy. You're going to ask me what that stands for. And I say it wrong every time because I say diabolical behavioral therapy. And that is definitely not <laughs> No, that's definitely, it. Not, it. <laughs> that's but definitely I like not it. it. But I like it better. It sounds <laughs> like uh, some great <laughs> therapy. Yeah, it's diabolical. Diabolical. <laughs> There's a real name and I never remember what it is, but it's essentially therapy that helps you maintain your cool in very stressful situations. And so I take this therapy. So when the chaos erupts around me, the life I have, it's just, it's always going to be okay. There's always, and I'm not in control of a lot of that. So how do I maintain, right? If I'm not supposed to talk back and I just have to let someone rage and I just don't say anything as a parent, I, I have to be able to actually legitimately stay calm in that situation as much as possible. Um, And so that kind of helps me do that. And it also helps you figure out different coping skills. So for instance, one that's very effective for me and very effective for my children, and you should try this too. You have an own fun experiment with yourself. When you're in the middle of feeling very angry, particularly Uh when you're feeling very angry, pay Uh attention to the physical symptoms that you have. So for a lot of people, that's the jaw clench, the fist clench, Um, Your body physically heats up in temperature. You can feel something in your chest. Like you can feel an emotion that's in there. And when you are feeling that, so pay attention to what you feel. And then when you're feeling that, change your temperature. So right now, it's cold outside. So if I was really angry, I would go stand out in the cold. And that shock to your system makes your brain stop and say, hi, what's going on here? I see we're having a little bit of a hard time. Okay. (laughs) Well, this is what we should do to fix it. Or if it's hot outside, then take an ice cube from your freezer. Do something like that. But just try that out on yourself. See how that that works. But pay attention to your physical symptoms of particularly anger, irritation, frustration, and see how your body feels because that's also a really good key indicator of I am rapidly reaching the level of no return. Every mom has a point of no return. Everyone yes, has yes. that. Every mom has that glare of like, you say one more thing. I will annihilate oh. everything that you stand for before you let yourself get to that point. And it takes a lot of training and a lot of patience. 
notice your physical attributes that you're displaying and then say, I know that I need to take a moment before this goes any further. That's a big one for me that I, I use, um, especially because bipolar is emotion ran, right? So like trying really hard because that's what I make my kids do, right? You know that you're getting angry. Like you need to go somewhere that's not here. And they're like, well, how do I know you, you can feel it in, in all these places. So try that fun experiment or anyone who's listening. I guarantee you that like you will notice it, it just, it stops. It stops all the revolving. Like imagine your brain's like a tornado, right? And so it just kind of makes the cow stay midair and not move. <laughs> that was a twister reference. Oh, I love <laughs> it. Cow, um, another cow. But, no, that's the same one. And I've also discovered too that um, as a mom, and you know what? Even if you don't have bipolar as a mom, you get, and no one talks about that either. You get sensory overstimulated. And so I don't want anything else to touch me for like at least the next three hours. I can't, yep. I can't be touched anymore. My, my right husband now. does not comprehend when I'm like, no. just don't touch me. Just leave me alone. Um, yeah. That was makes- a hard thing too for my husband is when I have panic attacks or an anxiety attacks, that's one of my things. I'm like, don't touch me. And he's like, but I want to help. And I'm like, I love you. And I know you want to help, but don't fucking touch me. Yeah. The, I mean, at least for me, the best way I have to go somewhere and it takes me, I've, I've now got it down to a science. It takes me about 45 minutes to calm down from any overstimulation. But I, as I've been paying more attention, like I know if I'm touched when I don't want to, I, I feel like I want to crawl out of my skin. Yes, like yeah. I will physically shudder. And I'm like, I just can't do that. But then children don't always understand that. So then we are very open. And I just say, mommy's, I can't be touched right now because my skin hurts. Right. Mm-hmm. So as soon as my skin stops hurting, then we can snuggle. I promise. But doing that and then again, just kind of using the same advice I do for them. Like I take breaks. If I'm feeling super stressed for me, I'm very fortunate to live in Colorado. I go hiking and I read. I read all of the books. That is a fantastic escapism that I use. Because the other nice thing about books just in general is when they cover a lot of these themes or things that characters go through um, as a mom and just as a person in general, it's very cathartic to express those emotions with the characters. And then it kind of forces you to deal with stuff that you didn't realize. And so you're healing together. I love it. That's another big one that I use. We went all the way to books. It was perfect. Yeah. So I do. Do you have Um, anything else for our listeners? You've got to ask her the fun question. We talked all the hard stuff. Ask her the fun one. I don't remember any fun questions. (laughs) Oh, my Lanta. Okay. If you could have uh, dinner with anybody past or present, who would it be? Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> oh yeah. That's a great one. That's a know, great I'm, one. That would be hilarious. Be, like philosophical question, but like humor is my main go-to, and that man is fucking hilarious. So yes. He yes. Is. And his wife, Blake, is really funny too. Just um, have like a family dinner. They can bring their kids. It'll be great. Yeah. That like if I had to really sit down, that is the first answer that immediately popped in my head. Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> And that's and I that's love it. fine. Like that's what I'm looking for. I don't need like George Washington or something. You know, no, it's fine. <laughs> it's, I want Ryan somebody Reynolds fun. He's, I mm, mean, so true. My hall pass anyway. So like maybe we get a little crazy after some drinks and it'll be like, fine. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh. 
And this is how to deal when shit gets real. We'll see you guys next episode.